It can be a joy to teach our children from a young age to love the Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Today's guest, Janine Zayo, has a great mission, helping kids love Jesus in the Eucharist. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and it's my privilege to welcome Janine Zayo to the program today to talk about helping kids love Jesus in the Eucharist. This is so good. Janine Zayo is a retired homeschooling mom whose ministry is encouraging love for the Eucharist, and that's for adults and children. She's the author of the children's novel, The Treasure with a Face, which follows the adventures of a 12-year-old treasure hunter traveling to Jerusalem to meet Jesus and find the Ark of the Covenant. Janine also speaks to parents about helping children have zeal for the real presence and to church groups about ways to be an ambassador for the real presence. She has two grown sons and lives in South Carolina with her husband. She enjoys hosting an escape room throughout the Carolinas in which children solve clues and tackle obstacles in their own hunt for the Ark of the Covenant. That sounds like so much fun. And you can follow Janine on Facebook at The Treasure with a Face by Janine Zayo, and that's in the show notes. You can also learn a lot more about her ministry and other resources, a lot of fun stuff at JanineZayo.com, and that's J A N. E-E-N-Z-A-I-O.com. It's in the show notes. Thank you so much for making time and coming on the program today, Janine. It's great to see you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's my pleasure to be here. I have to tell you, as a homeschooling mom, I love homeschool connections. And as an adult, I actually took many of Aaron Brown's fictional writing courses, and I find that they're amazing for people of all skill levels and all ages. So it's just such a blessing. Oh, thank you for saying that, because I really feel that what Maureen and Walter have done, bringing together people who are highly skilled, but also really passionate about their subjects, can ignite that same passion, not just in our kids, but in us. And we do get that feedback sometimes. Yeah, because these are real... These are real experts, so thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Great right. plug. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's uh, let's talk about your ministry. What got you started? So I'm a cradle Catholic, and I've always had the head knowledge that the Eucharist is Jesus. But about 20 years ago, it occurred to me, if I believe that it's truly Jesus, why am I not skipping up to receive him? Why am I going through the motions? And I just thought, I need to change that. So I started praying that God would give me zeal for the Eucharist. And wouldn't you know it, within a few days, a friend gave me Scott Hans with the Lamb Supper. Mm. And yeah, totally God working. And I, after that, that was the start of me coming to understand that Christ is truly present. And not only having the head knowledge, but embracing him with my heart and soul. And just becoming more mindful of his presence when I was received him. Then as a homeschooling mom, I thought, I've got to make sure my kids understand this. And so I catechized them over the years, of course. And, but then when they became preteens, I really felt a sense of urgency. Uh, we have this um, Protestant mega church in our town, and it looks like a ski resort on the outside. It has uh, amazing games. It has a cafe, uplifting praise music. And several people, um, you know, their children left the Catholic church and they went to the Protestant mega church. So I felt like I had to tell my kids that the communion bread there is not the living Jesus. Um, and I think that once you get that with your heart and soul, 
you don't leave the Catholic Church. You realize what an unparalleled treasure it is. And to be clear, I'm not criticizing people of other denominations. They're very holy and they have Jesus present in the scripture and in the community. But it's different than having the living Jesus present in the tabernacle. And our children need to understand that. So I wondered, how do I impart this this uh, message. And you know, of course, I've done it through lectures, but I thought in a story, you can reach people on an emotional level. You can stir emotions, give them an experience. And so that's when I started brainstorming the plot for the treasure with the face. And um, I wrote it for eight to 13 year olds because I feel like if you can get them to understand that when they're young, it will really affect the rest of their faith journey. Oh, 100%. And and we all know, everyone listening is probably aware, there's a huge crisis. Most people in the Catholic Church or people who call themselves Catholics and many in the pews don't believe in the real presence. They haven't had that encounter, either with a powerful witness, somebody who believes so palpably that it catches them, it captures their hearts, or maybe they simply haven't learned how to open themselves to an encounter with Christ. And and you you talked about like seizing the moment with your your young teenagers. Uh, say anything else you want to say about that and take us into things that we can do from the earliest ages with our kids to really help them appreciate Christ's real presence in the Eucharist. Sure, absolutely. And I agree with you. It really is a crisis. And part of it is that people haven't been catechized well. And then part of it is, as you said, people stop at just having head knowledge and they don't have the encounter. So that's what we try to do um, in this ministry. Because as I said, I was cradle Catholic. I was 29 years old. I was going to mass, but I wasn't having that zeal for Jesus. So that's what I want to try to impart um, and I started, you know, with my own children and then I, I teach CCD. So here's some of the things that I think we can try to do from a young age. Uh, first, just impart a habit for when they enter a church, um, help them understand that the church isn't a shrine for somebody who died. It's Jesus home and he's still living in it. Mm. And then teach them as soon as they walk in, greet him because he's in the tabernacle. He's been waiting for them and, and he's greeting them right back. And then kind of make a game of it and that always have them search for the tabernacle and a sanctuary lamp whenever they enter a church and teach them, you know, the sanctuary lamp is going to be lit when Jesus is present. And that way, if you go to a different church, maybe you have a wedding or a funeral, they're going to notice that these elements are missing and then also realize Christ's physical sacramental element is missing too, or his presence is missing too. Yeah. Um, and then something I do for in my second grade class for CCD on the first day, it's on Sunday, I say, how many of you have ever witnessed a miracle? And, you know, of course, a few hands go up. And then I say, well, how many of you have witnessed a miracle today? And nobody's hands go up, right? I said, well, if you've been to mass, you have witnessed a miracle. Um, it might still look like bread, but it has become the living Jesus. And so just to kind of change that paradigm. And then we talk a little bit about, well, when does this happen in the mass? So they start to anticipate it and really, you know, be present at that moment and, and know that Jesus is present. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And I love that these are simple thoughts, but they're thoughts that ignite further thinking and give like a kind of a, a wake up perspective to where I am and and what's happening here. Uh, I love that too. And and I think when catechists, and we don't have to be theologians, when parents and volunteers and people are teaching children or teaching them in their own homes, you do not have to be an expert. You need faith and you need time and prayer, right? So that you can be like Janine and say, hey, the miracle happened today at mass. That's fueled by prayer. 
Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Going before the Blessed Sacrament, letting him inspire you and um, just letting him speak through you and letting your love be contagious. I Mm. think that's really important. Yeah, and we can trust him with that. Now, you you talk sometimes about using the correct words when we discuss the Eucharist. Would you pinpoint that for us? Yeah, I just think there's sometimes that um, if we use the wrong words, it can be a little bit confusing. Like some Catholics say, well, other Christians don't believe that the bread is Jesus. Only Catholics believe it's Jesus. But really, the accurate description is that the bread remains bread at other churches, no matter what they believe. And the bread becomes Jesus at Catholic and Orthodox churches. So that's important. And then mm. after consecration, never referred to it as bread and wine. You know, sometimes we go to a new church and somebody might say, oh, the wine tasted strange at this church. No, no, it's the precious blood, right? So right. just be mindful to not refer to it as bread and wine after consecration. And then think about um, the words we say at Mass. Children hear the, hear the words body of Christ. But when you hear the word body on the news, they found the body. What pops in your mind? A yes. dead body, right? Right. So we have to make sure they understand that it's a, the living Jesus, the same Jesus that walked on the earth 2,000 years ago. And there's a lot of saints quotes about this. I love one um, from St. Teresa of Calcutta, if you don't mind if I read it. Oh, go right ahead. Thank you. So she said, imagine for a moment that we're living in Jesus' time and he's invited us to visit with him and spend some time getting to know him better. Being aware who he was, we'd be humbled by such an invitation. So then I pause with my students and I say, well, how would you prepare to meet him? And I let them answer. And of course, they're like, well, you know, I would be on time. I would make sure I wore nice clothes. I would, you know, have a clean face, clean hands, whatever. Um, and I would say, well, would you skip that meeting and you know go to soccer practice? <laughs> and of course, they wouldn't. And then I tell them the rest of the quote from um, St. Teresa. She said, the good news is that Jesus is here with us today, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Although Jesus comes to us under the appearance of bread and wine, his presence is as real to us now as he was flesh and blood real to his disciples when he walked the earth. Uh, and then we talk about what do we do to prepare, you know, such as fasting for an hour before receiving, making sure our souls are clean uh, by going to confession, not receiving if we're in a state of moral sin, and most importantly, being mindful that it's Jesus, not just going through the motions. Mm, yeah, no, it's fantastic. I really appreciate those because I remember um, just noticing as I was raising my daughter that a lot of adults around us coming into church didn't genuflect before they got into the, the they didn't even look at the tabernacle as they were entering. Many didn't even know to bless themselves and realize that that sacramental, the holy water, helps connect them with the prayers of the church. It opens them to receive graces. And there are various prayers you can say. I usually say, um, Oh gosh, have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Um, but there are other prayers that we can say. And I love when I was teaching a sacramental prep and in my parish years ago when my daughter was in those classes, um, we, I would have them practice going to the church and kneeling and, and with their mm. eyes on the tabernacle, just greeting yeah. Jesus with love and then going right in and getting on their knees to acknowledge yeah. physically, like with the body. Scott Hahn is really good at talking about this. Speaking of Lamb's Supper, really good at talking about how we worship with our bodies. You know, so, uh, yeah, thanks so much for that. Just not just going through the motions, but letting them be relational, loving motions. Right. Right. Absolutely. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but those are excellent points. And you're right. Having them practice it again and again, because you're right, we we need repetition and it helps us to make it a habit. Right. So I think those are great. Yeah. points. 
Yeah, and you know, may I say one other thing about that is I practice with my class in the classroom. We set up uh, an object that represented the tabernacle. We have them kneel, you know, genuflect, and then go into a row of seats because I wanted the whole class coming from a lot of different backgrounds to be able to know exactly what to do and then be confident so that their focus could be on the meaning because our kids can be a little scared doing something in public. Oh, that's an excellent point. I'm going to try that. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, so take us where we need to go. Uh, what what else do you have for us? Um, one of my favorite prayers that we can say to help our kids have zeal for the Eucharist is just an excerpt from a prayer by St. Thomas More. And he says, I wish my Lord to receive you with the purity, humility, and devotion with which your most holy mother received you and with the spirit and fervor of the saints. Ooh. I just love that. Like imagine having oh. that fervor and that devotion. I mean, it's something mm. to strive for, for all of us, right? Um, yeah. And I think it's a prayer that God wants to answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. You know, I'm going to get that from you. And it's so nice and short. I'm going to put it in the show notes, Janine. Okay, so, great. Because I want it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. I say it every day. And I think it's actually part of a spiritual communion prayer. But just that little, you know, short one sentence, I think, um, is just a great prayer for kids. And of course, I need to explain to them what all that means. But I just think it's a great prayer for them to think about like, how can I love like Mary can, you know, of course, none of us can, but to get a little closer would just be amazing. Oh, yeah. After we um, pray that I say, well, let's brainstorm. How can we be mindful that it's really Jesus at different points in the mass? So we all get distracted. And so we can put in place different reminders to bring ourselves back to the reality that Jesus is there. So I say, what will your reminder be when you walk in the church? Well, we've already talked about here. It'll be the tabernacle, the sanctuary lamp. Um, what about when your mind starts to wander? Maybe after the homily, you know, you're, the priest isn't talking. He's doing his preparation for the liturgy of the Eucharist. Your mind can start to wander. What can you do to bring yourself back? Um, maybe you look at the tabernacle, and, like you were saying earlier, and, and just say something like, Jesus, I believe that you're here. Uh, and then at the moment of consecration, the church already has great reminders built in. We have the ringing of the bells before and after. Uh, we have Jesus elevated in the hands of the priest. So those are fabulous. And so we can just say at that moment, you know, my Lord and my God, or or Jesus, I know that it's you. Thank you for letting me pre- be present here. And then when you're walking up to receive him, maybe you can say, Jesus, help me to receive you worthily. Or I know um, there was one saint, I can't remember his name at the moment, but who said, Blessed Mother, loan me your immaculate heart so I can receive you more worthily. It so sounds like Colby. <laughs> oh, <yes>, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to think yeah. about that. But it's yeah. a good one. Um, and then at the moment when you receive, what prayer can you say to welcome him? Uh, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for letting me receive you. And then how do you spend the precious moments after receiving him when he's so close to you? Now, I uh, have this poster made up for my CCD classroom, and it's a little bit larger, but if you can see, it's Carla yes. is resting on Jesus' heart. Cool. And so that is, you're so close to him. It's just like this moment for you. So if it helps you to imagine that, please do. Uh, my priest likes to say, use your imagination to picture the reality. That's the reality. And so if it helps some of the visual learners, it, I know that helps me to picture how close you are at that moment. Um, and then at the very end of all the lessons, at the end of the school year, I say, I've given you the head knowledge, but now it's up to you. You have to choose to not go through the motions. You have to choose to embrace them with your heart and soul. So just be diligent in being mindful. And there's a lot of resources that can help supplement these lessons as well. But those are just a few thoughts I had. 
All right. Yeah, we'll talk about resources right after the break. Right now, folks, we are talking with Janine Zayo. We're talking about helping kids love Jesus in the Eucharist. And we're going to just briefly hear from our wonderful sponsors at Homeschool Connections, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. Hey, we're back with Janine Zayo. We're talking about helping kids love Jesus in the Eucharist. This is such an important topic. What resources would you recommend to supplement our at-home catechesis? So there's a lot of good resources, um, some are for younger kids, some are for older kids, but I would say for younger children, if you have formed, there's a series called Presence, and there's a video called The Miracle Every Mass, where a priest walks through the liturgy of the Eucharist, and he shows them what's on the altar and explains what's happening. And I just think that's so good for young children because they can't often see what's going on up on the altar. Mm. Um, and then for high schoolers, you probably know about this one. So um, nothing new to you, but I just love this class. It's from Homeschool Connections, and it's called Christ's Real Presence in the Eucharist. Ah. It's a eight-week recorded class, and it talks about things like Old Testament foreshadowing of the Eucharist, New Testament reference, New Testament references. And then it talks about what other denominations believe about their communion bread. Um, and then it talks about uh, how apostolic succession and valid ordinations are critical for valid consecration. So I think that all strives or tries to help children realize that this is an unparalleled gift in the Catholic Church. So that's a fabulous resource. And then I just love reading stories of Eucharistic miracles to my sons and to my students. So I think, you know, today's age, there's so many books about miracles or about magic, I should say. And mm. so why not give them an alternative? Let them read about true miracles. So for example, um, I, I love how they kind of lift the veil. Eucharistic miracles, we don't need them, right? We don't need the proof, but they lift the veil off the the bread. So for example, if you think about what happened at the transfiguration on Mount Tabor, you had Peter, James, and John all of a sudden seeing Christ's divinity that had always been there, but it was veiled under his humanity. Eucharistic miracle does the same thing. Underneath that, that veil, what, you know, what appears to be bread is Jesus, humanity, the living Jesus. And so for a moment with that miracle, the veil is lifted and we can see that it's the living Jesus. So that's why I love Eucharistic miracles. And um, you can actually read 150 of them for free at a website called therealpresence.org. So I love that. Um, just be careful about what you read to small children because there are some stories about bleeding consecrated hosts. And I don't want to scare them when they're at a young age. So, But there's plenty there to read for all different ages. So that's something to keep in mind. And um, you probably already know about Blessed Carla Kudis, but he's one of my favorites. And this website, it came about through his work. So he was just a boy, but he was so devoted to the Eucharist. He called it his highway to heaven. And he received the Eucharist every day, went to Mass every day. And um, his hobbies were web design and computer programming. So he combined two of his passions to catalog the Eucharistic miracles on a website. And um, you know, tragically, he died at the age of 15 from leukemia. And that was 2006. 
but his legacy lives on through, you know, the compilation of the Eucharistic miracles. And he's already been beatified. And recently, Pope Francis approved a miracle. There was a young boy who was diagnosed with a rare condition, and he was healed through Carlo's intercession. So amazing. And I just think Carlo's a great one for us to ask intercession for. Uh, Ask that our kids have that same zeal for the Eucharist. Oh, beautiful. I know. I just love him. And especially when you're having tech issues, <laughs> ask Carlos intercession. That never, never fails. Um, <laughs> see, oh, I got to tell you, I just got his mom's book. So his mom wrote a biography and I thought, okay, I'm going to learn how to raise a saint. What are the secrets, right? Yeah. <laughs> she said Carla was more holy than she was, that he brought about her reversion. Wow. So although I didn't glean any you know, secrets on, on being a mom, it's still a great book to read, to learn about, you know, from his example, what we can do to love Jesus better. Oh, wonderful. Um, you recall the title? Oh, shoot. I think it's called My Son Carlo. My Son uh, Carlo. We'll look it up. We'll have yeah. the link in the show notes. Okay, good. But it's it's great. Um, it's just so neat for kids to hear about a boy who's not very different from them, you know, and how he's on his way to sainthood. Yeah, so good. And I know that he loved outdoor life and that he did many acts of kindness as well. Just a great young person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so take us into some ways just our ordinary life can become teachable moments for our children. Absolutely. Because I, I feel like you can't ever talk about the Eucharist enough. And so anytime you can find an in, you go for it. Uh, besides religion class, even during science class or literature class. So I feel like a great question to ask kids is, this is during science class. What's the most exotic place anyone has ever taken the Blessed Sacrament? So do you want to take a stab at it? What do you think? For me, I'm going to say there are missionaries who have taken it into the jungle. Ooh, yes, that's that's a good one. I'm sure that has happened. Has it There's, ever gone into space? Yes. That's, that's <gasps> exactly the right guessed. answer. <laughs> oh, the kids are going to love that. <laughs> I love this. So apparently... In 1994, there were some astronauts and they didn't want to go that long without receiving our Lord. So they got permission and they took the Blessed Sacrament into space. And there was an astronaut named Dr. Tom Jones, and he wrote about it in his book called Skywalking. So he said he and two other astronauts were on the space shuttle Endeavor. And one morning, very early, they received the Eucharist. And this is how he described what happened next. He said, as we meditated quietly in the darkened cockpit, a dazzling white light burst through space and into the cabin. Pure radiance from the risen sun streamed through Endeavor's forward cockpit windows and bathed us in its warmth. What else could this be but a sign? God's gentle affirmation of our union with him. Woof. Nicole? Oh, yeah. You've got tears in my eyes. That's beautiful. (laughs) I know. I love that. I just think that (sighs) is amazing. And I know other astronauts have taken the Blessed Sacrament into space since then, too. But um, I just love that. Mm-hmm. Um, another example is when you're watching any of the Lord of the Rings movies or reading the books, because as you probably know, Tolkien was devoted to the Eucharist. He said, I put before you the one great thing to love on earth, the Blessed Sacrament. And oh. so I, I love that he didn't worship, you know, his fame or his work, but the Blessed Sacrament above all. Mm, so that's Yeah, there's, there's a new book. I don't remember the name of it, but... Um... Gosh, it's from I. It's either from Sophia or from Dr. Robert Barron. Word on Fire. I think it's Word on Fire. Just came out with a biography on Tolkien and his Catholicism. I'll find that out and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Wow, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I'll find it. And then I think just even at your family bedtime prayers, you can still 
you're talking to God, but you're also teaching your children how to pray. So I feel like if they hear you say, thank you, God, that we were able to receive you in the Eucharist today, then they know it's not something we take for granted. You know, we have to be grateful that we were able to today. Uh, And then pray that more good men will become priests so that we don't have to travel far for the Eucharist. Because although we have Jesus maybe just a few miles down the road in the nearest Catholic church, this is only because we have good priests. So we want we want to pray that there is always good priest. Mm, yeah. And then also when your children are young, point out the altar service and tell them, well, when they're patents, they're Jesus' bodyguards. And that's such an important job. And how lucky are they that they could just be just three feet from that miracle of consecration? And oh, won't that be great when you get to do that? And maybe that will just inspire you know them to become altar servers. And then those kind of um, activities can just inspire vocations, I think. So Yes. Those are just a few, few teachable moments. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So good. You've really covered a lot of such practical ground, Janine. Thank you so much. Um, take us into anything else we can do throughout the year. What, what do you recommend? Well, since we're speaking to homeschoolers, I love the idea personally of making your theme for the school year be about Christ's real presence in the Eucharist. Ooh. We did that when my son was in second grade. And now that it's the year, you know, Eucharistic, Eucharistic revival is going on. We're in the middle of it, right? It's a great time to make that your school year theme. And then study Blessed Carlo Cudis, St. Tarsisius, Father John Harden, Pope Jean, um, St. Pope John Paul II, and other saints who are devoted to the Eucharist. Even secular holidays can be times that we can center everything around the Eucharist. I know one thing that we used to love to do on New Year's Eve would be to go out to a late dinner. My kids love staying up late. And then we would go to adoration from 1130 to 1230. And so thanking God and, you know, for the, in the final moments of the year, we were with him. Thank you for all the blessings this past year. And then in the first moments of the new year, please help us in this new year. So that was always fun. I think my kids enjoyed that. Um, And then during Lent, maybe your commitment is just pop in and spend a minute with Jesus. I know with young children, it's very, very hard to spend an hour, but if you can just pop in maybe every day during Lent, Make that your commitment. Um, and then you'll be surprised with the kids. Maybe they want to keep doing it. Um, and if you can't stop in every day, maybe you just say a prayer every time you drive by a Catholic church. There's lots of good prayers for that. Um, yeah. Another way is by participating in a Eucharistic procession. This past weekend, I was up in Charlotte and they have a huge Eucharistic Congress, huge procession. And it's just so moving. You're watching a train of people probably a quarter mile long and Jesus is at the front and then all these people singing and adoring. So it's, it's moving for the participants, but I know being in Charleston, I saw one a couple of years ago. I was a participant a couple of years ago and Charleston has a lot of tourists. So it was amazing to watch their reaction. So they saw this train of people passing by and they didn't just look up, continue eating, continue shopping, whatever. They stopped in their tracks and they watched as a train of people three blocks, three blocks long passed by. And they may not have understood what was happening, but it planted a seed and you never know what can come of that. I know uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton said that a Eucharistic procession was pivotal in her conversion. So you just don't know. That's neat. I remember once being in a public procession like that and a lot of people who had no idea what they were seeing, or at least they looked like they didn't know what it was. They were curious, but one or two fell to their knees. Wow. In front of others. It was, um, that is beautiful. That gave me chills. Wow. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's it really powerful. You know? Yeah. I mean, I just love that. I wish we had more of them. I think it, it seems like in other countries, they do a lot of processions here. I know for us in Charleston, it's once a year. Charlotte, is, I think, is just once a year. But I don't know. How about where you are? 
Yeah, I mean, some of the parishes do. It really depends on the pastor. You know, yeah. sometimes they're just inside the church on on feast days dedicated to the Eucharist, that sort yeah. of thing. And yeah. but once in a while, you get a pastor that will say, you know, get a crowd together and go march around the neighborhood. And we did yeah. one recently at a local parish, um, maybe a month or two ago. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. We got a new bishop maybe two years ago, and he seems to love processions and be very Eucharistic. So I'm very hopeful that we'll have more. Yeah. Well, we need those leaders. We need those great leaders. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So any particular tips for our kind of preteens and teens, helping them love the Eucharist? Yeah. I feel like kids love group events, right? And so anytime they can be with their friends, it's a plus. And then when you can center it around Jesus, that's even better. So um, our homeschooling group used to have what we call adoration campouts. So our church would have nocturnal adoration all Thursday night before first Friday. So our homeschooling groups would set up um, tents in the yard across the street from the church. And then we would have s'mores around, a camp, you know, and play games around a campfire. And then at night, each family would go to their tent and we'd take turns walking over and spending an hour with Jesus all night long. And it was just a great fun activity. Kids were staying up late. They were with their friends. They were with Jesus. And so we had these twice a year. And I found that there were people who had never been to adoration, but they kept coming back for the adoration campouts. Wow. So those were great. That's a lot of just ingenious because it's simple, but it really does hit a lot of the marks that you need to kind of engage kids. Yeah, I, I found that. I mean, they loved all the elements, staying awake, being with friends, camping out. Yeah, so that was good. I, I missed those times, actually. I mean, even though I know one year we did it in October and, and we're in Charleston. Generally, October can be pretty pleasant, but it was 55 degrees and the wind was just whipping through our tents all night. Yeah. <laughs> we were just, you know, trying to stay warm, but it was a blast. I have no regrets. Love those, love those times. Oh, that's, that's, that's just wonderful. Thing. Yeah. Um, and then another one would be just giving an adoration book for a confirmation gift. I know this sounds strange. We don't think of adoration gifts at confession or at confirmation, but if you think that this might be the last bit of catechesis someone gets, you know, a lot of people's uh, religious education ends at eighth grade. So if we can give them something that will keep them happily Catholic, that would be amazing. So I personally like this book. I'm going to show you. Um, it's called Stirring Slumbering Souls by Michael Seagriff. And he's compiled a list of um, saints quotes about the Eucharist, and they really elevate your thinking. So I would just take a short quote and read it to my kids at bedtime. Because why not think like a saint, right? I mean, they can just put thoughts in our minds that we never would have had. So I love that. Um, and then I think it's just critical that kids go to a college where the Blessed Sacrament is present just so they can go to mass easily. And I know this is not always possible. Finances are an issue. Lots of things come into play. But um, if you can, I think it's worth the effort. So my son was an engineering major and there were no schools within seven hours of here that were solidly Catholic that offered engineering. So I was lucky enough to find a secular college and they had the Blessed Sacrament reserved on campus. They had daily mass. So for three years, his dorm was across the street from the chapel and it made it easy for him. I mean, he could just pop in on his way to class and his way home from class. And I feel like that's the time when kids lose the faith a lot of times. So if you make it easy for them, you know, help help them continue to have that relationship with our Eucharistic Lord, I think that will go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned a lot of them lose it in college. What do we do when we have done, you know, I want to I want to look at a checklist and say, okay, we did everything right. 
when our kids walk away from the church, they walk away from the Eucharist. What do you recommend? Right. And, and this is heartbreaking. We've all seen it. Um, I mean, I, I've had my own struggles. Our kids grow up and they make mistakes. Maybe they're not on fire with the faith. And just that old adage keeps coming to me. And I know it's just so um, trite, but you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And, and that's how it is with our kids. We, Once they've been catechized, it really comes down to a choice. Believe in the real presence, practice the faith or not. And it it really takes ongoing mindfulness to believe and, and not going through the motions when they're receiving the Eucharist. So keep in mind that we can say all the right things and we can model the faith, but it they have to choose. And so if they don't have zeal for the Eucharist, do not beat yourself up. I, I read something that was a great consolation to me. Joseph Langford has a book called Inspiration from Mother Teresa. And he said, Jesus didn't save the world by preaching, but by his suffering and death. So we certainly suffer as mothers. We can offer all that suffering to Jesus and merit a lot for our kids' souls. And of course, we should ask the saints and our lady to intercede for our children. Go frequently before the Blessed Sacrament to get wisdom um, and to to pray for our kids. And um, just know that our holy hours make a difference. I, have you ever heard this story? Um, St. Faustina said she was praying before the Blessed Sacrament once, and she saw a vision of Jesus. And each time a person entered the chapel, he spread his divine rays of love and mercy over the entire world and, and covered everybody in it with graces and blessings. And I wow. just thought, wow. So our holy hours, our our little pop-in visits can to make a difference for the whole world. So I just thought that was amazing. I love the way he is so affectionate with us. Like, I'm going to give the gift the gift of my grace and these lights to the whole world just out of, you know, yeah. just out of love because you came to see me. Yes. Isn't that so humbling? Yeah. Yes. Yes, he is beautiful. humbling. Any contemplation of him is incredibly humbling. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I, I love just how encouraging all of this is. Um, one of the things that I do sometimes when I'm around my loved ones who uh, have either walked away from the faith or never had faith um, is I'll just say, Lord, show me what you're doing. Because mm -hmm. I can't control, I can't do it, but I continue to love and pray and do all the things. But sometimes if I just ask when I'm interacting with somebody that I love that's away from the Lord. Um, let me show you, I mean, please show me, Lord, what you're doing. And it's also a, a stance of humility. And I, it never fails. He always shows me something beautiful, a moment of grace, a, a, some a new wisdom emerging, uh, a, a hopefulness, whatever it might be. I always see, ah, I see you, Lord. I see you I, in there. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to do that because I do need hope. <laughs> yeah. There's moments when you're like, oh, you know, everything we taught them or, um, you know, everything they see us do. And I'm not just talking about my own kids, but extended family, too. Yes. Um, yes. You want to be a role model and it's hard to know how to do that. So I love that. Let him work and let him mm -hmm. show you that he is working. Yeah, I think he wants to show us. Look at what he did with creating this beautiful world around us. He, he's always painting pictures in the sky or pushing something up out of the ground to delight us. Why wouldn't he show us what he's growing, you know, through the unseen work of the Holy Spirit in the souls of the people that we love? That's the greatest garden there is. That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> so, so tell us what's next for you and your ministry, Janine. Just love everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. Well, so you touched a little bit about the escape room that I do. Um, so I have I set up a, a room that's kind of uh, 
got all the landmarks of ancient Jerusalem. You can see one of the props behind me. That's the temple in Jerusalem. You can see the Ark of the Covenant. So kids come in and they have to solve clues in search of the Ark of the Covenant. So it immerses them in my book, The Treasure with the Base, and really doesn't give away the ending of the book. But they have to go through some of the same obstacles as the main character, like crawling through a glowworm cave. What does he find in there? Who does he ask for direction to? Should you ask the Pharisee? Should you ask the Roman? If you choose the incorrect person, excuse me, the incorrect person, you're going to have to dig through the garbage at the Valley of Hinnom. Um, and so things like that. And then, um, so basically they're just having a great time. So I love doing that. So if anybody is watching this and they live within four hours of Charleston, South Carolina, they can go to my website, JanineZow.com. And maybe we can go to your church, your homeschooling group or your Catholic school. It's always a lot of fun. And then I would love to speak at homeschooling conferences, Eucharistic conferences. Um, besides this talk, um, I, I give talks for adults. Um, one is called 40 Ways to Be an Ambassador for Christ's Real Presence, because I feel like you know, we have something that we are so um, on fire about and we want to tell other people. And during this time of Eucharistic revival, that's our mission. So I just give, um, again, more practical ways to be an ambassador. In those wonderful. And I hope to attend the, the National Eucharistic Revival in Indianapolis. Are you going? No, no. No, yeah. I, it's, I'm not in a season of life where I can travel. We have someone very elderly in our home, and oh. even the dog has gotten elderly and hard, oh. is hard to leave. So um, we've That's, got people, you know, yeah. needy, needy loved ones at the moment. But someday, yeah, exactly. And you know what? That what you're doing is is just being a servant. And, you know, that is going to merit a lot of graces as well. So I'm sure God's going to reward all those efforts. Mm, he blesses me so much through my mother-in-law. Oh, amazing. Yeah. No, it's, it's a gift. It is a gift. Yeah, wow. Yeah. You have a great perspective, you know? Thank you. I know All right. My gosh. Uh, is there anything else coming up for you that you wanted to share? Well, um, I, I do have a literature course. I'm, I'm not sure if I should bring this up or not, but because I know that Homeschool Connections provides literature courses, but I did a literature course. No, it's fine. For the face. Um, so what it is, is for children, maybe fourth through seventh grade. And I did recorded lessons so that we can cover discussion questions and delve deeper into each chapter of the book. And I also gave instructions on how to do um, certain crafts, like how to make a cake using ingredients from the Bible or how to build your own Ark of the Covenant. Um, wow. So that's been really fun. So that's on truenorth.com if anybody's interested in that. And um, I, I just hope to keep interacting with more people who are on fire with the Eucharist through these conferences. And I can't wait to see the fruits of the Eucharistic revival. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, no. Amen. Amen to that. And uh, with the triumph of Our Lady's heart, sure, sure to be coming and already showing signs, I believe. Uh, oh, I, I believe that, that our love for her son in the Eucharist is way, way up there in her priorities. So thank you so much for your ministry, Janine, and, and for taking the time out of a busy life to be with us today and share from your heart. I uh, would love to have you back again sometime and uh, just really appreciate you. Thank you so oh, much. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. And God bless you and God bless all of our viewers. Thank you. Oh, you are so welcome, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Uh, have a wonderful day in the Lord and please pray for us. We're praying for you too. Uh, have a great one. Bye now. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us. <laughs>